So guys, welcome to another episode of Matrix Unlocked. In today's episode, I sit down with my man, Anthony Trust. He's a former NFL athlete and he was placed into foster care at the age of three. And he's had a really, really rough childhood growing up. And now he's become a source of inspiration and source of motivation for everybody who's looking to change his identity and become the best version of themselves by overcoming all the problems that they're facing in their lives. So without any further ado, let's begin this awesome, fantastic episode with this great man, Anthony Trucks. Let's begin. So first of all, Anthony, welcome to Matrix Unlocked. I really, really appreciate your time and you taking time from your busy schedule to have this chat with me. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know who Anthony is, he's a formal NFL athlete, but he was given to foster care at the age of three and he's endured a lot of pain and really, really hard time growing up. He struggled through high school and had his NFL career cut too short due to a devastating injury, but now he's sitting and talking with me and he's always come out victorious through all these tough situations. So uh, at first I was, uh, I'd start, uh, I was thinking, uh, I just had this question, so I just made it up. Uh, so I, I just wanted to know, even though you've gone through all these tough situations, like even talking to you, it's like you're so calm, happy, and peaceful. How did you build that up over time? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I have a, a lot of, I guess, craziness that's gone on in the background of my yeah. life. And I think because of that, I have a great sense of gratitude for what I have now uh, and compared to what could be going on right now. And so that's part of it. But that doesn't always make you happy, right? The other part of yeah. how I think I operate is, uh, is I'm, I'm really big on seeing the world in a way that's, that's positive. Because I recently heard in this, this uh, a TV show I watched, I was like, that's a really great line. The woman says, you do not see the world the way things are. You see the world the way thing, the way the way you are. Yeah. So I don't, you don't see things as they are. You see the things the way you are. I was like, it's interesting because I think that unpacks a lot of who I am. Is, is I see the world in a certain way. Certain things happen. It just it's just how life happens. But I always choose to give it a different kind of meaning that doesn't make me feel like crap. Like that's that's the best yeah. way to explain it. So I, when things go on in life, it's going to happen in ways that. You don't want it to take place, but you don't have to give it this negative meaning because when you give it a, a poor meaning, you you kind of you put it in a place where you're helpless and no matter what you do, it's always going to be bad. And so you live your life in this kind of almost pessimistic way because everything's always bad. And then when I chose to start seeing things in a different light, in a more positive light, or giving people grace for their um, lack of the capabilities of doing right by me, it gave me a different sense of freedom and peace because I realized like, hey, I'm, I'm still here, still kicking, which means I still have an opportunity to do great things. And the only way that I wouldn't do great things is if I chose to live in a space internally of like negativity, which means everything that happens would be bad. So I just chose like, I want to see things in the right light, with things in a better light. And when I operate out of that space, which is not always easy, believe me, there's things that come across my email and my table, I'm like, this sucks. But I just still choose like how I want to see this. And, and that leads me to have a different sense of peace and lightness and joy in the world. Yeah. I mean, you express it like in simple words, but I can't even imagine the tough, the tough times that you've endured through. So I know, uh, see, everybody like has these series of events, like moments that lead through that one moment that when a person decides to commit to changing their life. So if you could share with us, what was that moment for you when you like completely committed and completely decided to turn your life around 180 degrees? Oh man, that was, uh, yeah, it's always different moments. I think for me, it yeah. happened later on in life when I was uh, more of an adult, to be honest. It was, uh, it was probably the age of like around 30 when my mom passed away. It was this choice that I, I kind of had been going up and down. I had at this point been in the NFL. I'd, I'd done some, you know, different yeah. unique things, but, but I'd actually, you, know, you go up and you go down at this point in time in my life. I was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of 
bottoming out. I was you know, divorced at the time, wasn't a good dad, business wasn't going very well. I just wasn't a happy guy. And I was like, man, I'm tired of feeling like this. And so the choice was I got to do something different because I am the common denominator and all the things going crazy. And few people accept that or even visit that. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna figure stuff out. And so in doing so, I started visiting a lot of things in my life that needed to be adjusted. And then the way that I would operate, the way that I would take action, the way I would have consistency, the rituals I would have, things I would do in my life on a daily basis, those things started changing. And it was a really specific way that I chose to do them. It wasn't just this haphazard try thing that I read in a book, but I really tried to determine like, who do I want to be? And when I started figuring out who I wanted to be, I started figuring, I had to like think deeper, like, well, what does that person do? Like. How do they see hardship? How do they, you know, adjust perspectives? How do they take action? What are their beliefs? Like, what are their thoughts? What are that person's actions? And so I started little by little, like designing what that person would be. And then I started doing the things that would allow me to become that person, not be me and try to do the things that person does, but genuinely become the person who does those things. And that was a game changer, man. That was the thing that allowed me to start kind of leaning in consistently with things that felt funny and they sucked and they were hard. Uh, but in doing so over time, they weren't so hard. They became yeah. easy to the extent that they got so easy I could do more and different and progress even farther and farther down the line. A lot of people haven't quite done that yet. A lot of yeah. people get stuck trying to do the things, but they don't know what to do. It's not the right work. They, they do some work, but it ends up not turning out the way they want because it was yeah. the wrong work, I'll call it. And so for me in my life, I've just kind of spent a lot of time learning what that is. And then that's why I created the shift method, which is a process yeah. that just goes and unpacks kind of what I did and shortcuts that process for people. Because anybody that's had success, anybody in their life that's yeah. had some success has shifted. Like, and then I call it identity shift. That's the work I do, yeah. it's a shift method coaching. So it's like, they've all had this identity shift in some capacity, in some way of the beliefs, the thoughts, the actions, how they flow, but they may not even know. And it might've taken them 10 years, right? It might've taken them forever to navigate this process, but I created a process that shortcuts that. It allows you to have that same transformation as a human being. So you operate at a higher level and then you can perform at a higher level and then you can have success because your performance determines your success. Yeah. So when I kind of created that, like, it's like, oh, now, so I can have other people take that in and apply it to their lives. And that's how we work. But, but yeah, that was kind of like the, uh, the trajectory of, of what got me where I'm at now. I mean, it's great to hear it like directly from you while I was reading about it. Uh, it, it was fun, but like listening to you talking about it, like absolutely phenomenal. So uh, I was listening to a podcast that you did a couple of months ago where uh, you said that you consciously want to help people. And it was like something you called uh, a sense of selfishness that you have. So if you could elaborate yeah. that on a little bit. Yeah, well, I think everybody has a desire to do something for themselves. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a, there's a, you know, the word altruism, a concept that, you know, doing things with absolutely no return to yourself. Like, I think that, you know, sometimes a purest form of altruism would be like, like giving your life for somebody, taking a bullet. But yeah. even then, I think in doing so, like you're getting the sense of knowing I did something great. So you still get even a feeling of doing that. And so what I realized is uh, a lot of people are run from that. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't get anything from I'm doing it solely to serve. And I was like, you know, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I grew up in a situation where my mom gave me away and I didn't feel like I mattered. So I felt like nothing. And and so I, I like to be liked. It's just the nature of humanity. And I'm selfish in the sense that I want those, those positive thoughts. I want those thank yous. And I realized in my world, if I'm going to get those thank yous that I really crave, I have to give of myself fully yeah. to serve, to show up, to give people stuff. Because in doing so, I get that return of a sense of, okay, thank you, Anthony. Like the real thank you. And so I'm yeah. selfish in the sense of I desire those real thank yous. But my selfishness is, is included in giving fully so other people receive just as much as I do. Yeah. And, and what I just picked up from you, it's not just like about just trying to take it from somebody it's like forcefully, you're trying to serve them at some level and then expecting that, right? 
So uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's great. So another thing that intrigued me was uh, you said that because you've had those tough experiences in uh, in your own words, you said even in football you were like bathed in discomfort every single play. Yeah. So you have developed a sense of uh, being comfort in dis- uncomfortable situations. So do you think it's something that people can consciously cultivate? And if so, how can yeah. they do that? Yeah, I mean, you have to consciously do it. We, we uh, unfortunately, so the world of the work I do, a lot of people unconsciously were programmed. It's at identity level, right? If you think about a computer's programmed, imagine just programming some random program in the computer, and then all of a sudden you're wondering why the computer doesn't, doesn't operate the way you want it to. Like, why is this thing not doing what I need? Well, because yeah. it was unintentionally programmed. And so a lot of us, when we were kids, we were programmed in terms of what love was, what a relationship was, what happiness meant, what money was for, or how good money was, or what a career was, and what you should and shouldn't do, and what's acceptable, cultural stuff. It's all programmed. Yeah. So what ends up happening is you live your life that way. And a lot of people don't realize that at some point in time, that operating system gets outdated. You were being, for the most part, raised for a world you aren't entering into. And you enter into the later on world, and you're like, oh, man, why is, why is the things falling apart? Like, what's going on? And so yeah. for me, what I realize is at some point you have to intentionally reprogram yourself. And it's not like a full, like, you know, like, you know, plug into a computer and, you know, but the, the reprogramming takes place and realizing like, all right, the programs in my life are not moving well. My relationships suck. I can't handle money very well. Like, I'm not healthy. I don't love myself. There's something off, right? And yeah. so what you have to do at that moment in time is start like, like a computer download the new operating system so those programs can work well and that operating system is seeing things different operating different doing and performing a different level and when you do that all of a sudden it's like an upgrade to your internal computer system right and then the programs work well you're better in relationships you're happier you get more work done you make more money because you operate a different level you you interact differently it's just a different kind of flow and in doing so things become better so a lot of people they just they, they haven't quite done that you can consciously do it it's yeah. not this thing that accidentally happens anymore. You step back and choose, like, this is what I want to take place. This is who I want to be. And then I go through a process called the hard, like hard formula. Yeah. When we look at the hard formula, it's habits, actions, reactions, and drivers. You go through a process of structuring those. And that hard formula allows you to start trickling down like, okay, what are the things that I actionably do? And then when you know what those are, and some of them are difficult, some of them are hard, you know, some of them are super easy to do. Some are easy to do, but hard to do for a long period of time. Yeah. When you know what those things are specifically for you, and you start doing them, in the beginning it's hard, but after a while it becomes super easy, and then you get to the point where it's just easy, and the output is success. That's why some people who have success, they look like, it looks easy to them, like it's just second nature, like why did that minus yeah. touch everything they touch turns to gold? That's how they did it, so I was saying some people have done this accidentally, uh, they just kind of unconsciously follow the path and follow their heart, but like, do you really want to hope that you're one of the lucky ones that figures yeah. it out or do you want to do it intentionally and choose what you want to have yeah absolutely so uh, as you know uh, like uh, we're going through this uh, global pandemic so a lot of people have lost their livelihood a lot of businesses have shut down so h- how do you take yourself from that state of mind because I-, I think you're the best person to answer this because uh at, su- at one point you were contemplating uh, suicide and you came back from that point right so how how does a person in who's in that state of mind he comes back from that? How do you how do you take yourself back from that? Man, it's not an easy. I don't know a definitive path. I think a lot of it boils yeah. down to uh, to what hope you see. You see no hope, man. It's going to be difficult to uh, to actually create or do anything. I think for me the big thing was like getting to a point in my life. There's things that are greater and more possible uh, that I have to lean into, and so I had to find out anchor points that I could lean into of why 
I, I was gonna, you know, continue moving and, you know, family and, and career and friends like that became a big piece of it. So yeah, man, a lot of it's just, you, you're not alone. I think at, at times you feel like we're the only person experiencing it, nobody will get it. So we just, you know, like this is just horrible. But if you lean in and, you know, seek higher things and have other people that you can confide in, it gives you yeah. a different sense of joy you can borrow from them. Absolutely. So uh, this is a question that I, like I repeatedly ask everybody that I have a chat with. So what was uh, the one worst piece of advice, which seemed like that at that moment, but later on in life, it ended up like being a blessing. So if uh -huh. you had one of those. Like a worst piece of advice that, that I thought it was bad like, at the time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if there's one, I mean, there's a lot of advice piece. I can't think of one that I use. So maybe there's one I would think when I was a college athlete yeah. or something I didn't like to listen to, but then now I'm like, oh, I'm glad. I think part of it was uh, listen to what's being said, not how it's being said. So when I was, you know, you're an athlete, and I played football, obviously professional football, and a lot of the times you hear people yell at you and they're, they're you know, cussing you out and everything. And, and what you hear typically is how they are saying it. The things they are saying, you, you're kind of bothered because they're being rude and mean. But then at a certain point, you have to realize like there, there's something within that that is a very definitive thing that could be a really good lesson, but you're not getting it because all you're hearing is how they're yelling at you. But if you can learn to step back and then like not get mad they're yelling at you, but hear what they are saying through how they're saying it, then you get that nugget and then you can apply it, then you can succeed. And at that yeah. point, it's a pride issue. Like, yeah, somebody yells at you, but for telling somebody that could help you be better, you take it in and you do it. So there's people that I've had a conversation with that say some things and I'm like, are you serious? Like, it just doesn't feel that great in the moment, but then I'm like, all right, I hear it. I hear what you're saying. All right, I'll take that feedback in. It can come from your kids, come from your wife, it can come from your friend, it can come from your boss, it can come from your sister, your cousin, it doesn't matter. It can come from anybody. It can come yeah. from some random person walking down the street. But if you get a chance to listen to what's being said and, and really contemplate, can this help me? You take it in and do it, now your life gets better, man. So that's one of the things that I, I learned early on. At the time, I didn't want to hear it because I'm like, I don't care what you're talking about. But then later on, you're like, ah, okay, I get what you're saying. And it's yeah. actually very useful as a tool for me now. Yeah. So what you just basically said, people are like selective listeners. They just want to hear. Much so. well, yeah. They, they just want to hear good things. Right? If somebody says something other than that, they just try to ignore it or just uh, resist it. But what you're yeah. saying is you accept it and then you contemplate it in a way that is useful to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. You got to hear what's being said, not get an ego, get in the way. Yeah. So, uh, one thing uh, I was thinking about. So, you said something uh, uh, right about it, it, it was another episode that you did uh, with, some, uh, with someone. Uh, you said that you told your son that. You don't start a fight, but if somebody puts uh, puts their hand on you, then you finish it in the next 20. So uh, yeah, 100% so, you do. So my, my question to you is, is it important for people to consciously, sometimes consciously create a certain space of hardship so that they can learn to navigate through them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you kind of, so you have my kids, and it's, I think anybody's really have to get to the point where you, uh, <laughs> You, you realize that there's a certain confidence you have to have about yourself and show up in the world. Because the world, as much as it's a very uh, cerebral world right now, there's still physical aspects to it. And so like my kids, that whole thing was like, you're not going to get a kid that gets picked on. Because if you get picked on once, you're going to be the one that everybody starts to kind of have their hands on. Yeah. So I told them, like, yeah, if, if somebody hits you, if you never start the fight. You don't put the first you know, blows out. But if somebody hits you, you will finish that fight right now, which means you will do whatever is necessary to take care of that, that situation. And, and you beat the kid yeah. up, essentially. Because at the end of the day, like if they think they can do it again, they will do it again. 
And so yeah. you stop that one. You take care of that fight so that you're actually stopping the future fights also. I mean, uh, that is really interesting how you've uh, brought up your children. So uh, could you share uh, some more insights on how you've passed on that uh, mentality of uh, navigating through hardships into your children? If you could just uh, share you know, one I, or two. I, uh, my kids aren't a fan of it, but I make their life a little bit difficult. I'm, yeah. always, I'm the hard-nosed guy. I, I'm usually the one that holds the line for, for my kids. My, my wife's an awesome human being, but she's a little yeah. nicer than I am. And I get it. She, she balances me out. Um, but the thing for me is like I, I realize very specifically that there's going to be moments in life where they're going to have a ton of hardships. They're going to hit a lot of hard lines and other people that hold hard lines. And so if they don't know how to do it or how to go above and beyond, they're going to be the ones that are left out of the job or, you know, someone doesn't want them as a friend or that girls want to be with them or whatever it may be. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's not so much I don't want to be the mean guy. But if I say I'm going to do something, I need them to realize that that it's going to be held by somebody and what that looks like to follow through. So the way that I parent isn't like crazy. I actually, I'm fairly joyous in how I operate. The only time I flip is when it's like, I told you not to do that. And now you're doing that. And now I have to be a parent and punish you. Like, I don't want to, but this is what I'm being forced yeah. to do. It's a vastly different aspect of, of how uh, most people do things, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but my wife, she, she balances it out. She's almost too nice sometimes. And that's the kind of only thing we really argue about is like how to parent our children. That's the one thing we have long discussions on because they're different kids and uh, they do different things. But for me, it's like I, for the most part, the best that I can, if I'm going to do something and I say something to be held, I hold the line. Some yeah. a little more than others because some like to keep habitually hitting that line. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's what I try to do. Yeah. So, a- Anthony, uh, I, I, I read, I recently read somewhere, uh, some statistics uh, that re- uh, in uh, in the coming period, uh, we might have a mental pandemic uh, just because people yeah. people don't know how to handle their thoughts and emotions. And somewhere or the other, it's like it like starts with their identity, what they think of, what they think of themselves, how they perceive who they are. Right. So, yeah. How do you think a person who's like who thinks they're stuck with the, this personal reality that they've created for themselves and how they can start to move out of it consciously? Yeah. So uh, first thing you do is you, you got to take a good look. At, this is where the shift that becomes a play. It's the process yeah. I use, and, and you really got to take a look at first seeing what's going on for what it is. And this is that whole concept of you know people see things as you know we are, and so when you see things as you are. You see them negatively, like you're stuck, man. They don't know what to do. And then the work you do is a waste of work. So I, I do a really specific process to unpack and learn a lot about who you are, what's going on outside of your outside of your bubble or outside of your head. And then it gives you a clear picture of what to actually work on. So first thing is take a look at what's going on, man. And, and that's not always the easiest thing because people's egos like to get in the way. And yes, I understand people have hardships. And that's, under, that's very understandable. And the fact that some people experience them different than others. Uh, but in doing so, if you really want to have a different life, you've got to be able to navigate those hardships. You got to have faith that you can, faith that it can change. And that faith comes from understanding that if I know where the right work to do is, even if it's hard to accept, and I do that work, now I have an opportunity to actually succeed. So first part is just really take an internal, you know, kind of, I guess, inventory of what's going on, and yeah. then from there start making decisions. Absolutely. So uh, do you think... Uh practicing physically like just training your body is might be something that that well, might a huge piece help of it. That, yeah it's definitely a piece of it i mean there's a lot of stuff that takes place physically that allows you to have a better yeah. body and a better mind you know mentally so at the end if you can take care of your physical nature it's actually a really great place to have immediate feedback that you are successful or you're capable or you're good there's a lot of things you can do that take time i write this book to somebody buy it you know i I yeah. make this post and anybody like it or I work out and can I push this weight? Oh, I feel good. I got it. You know, it's an immediate kind of gratification. 
so I think the definite you know tie to fitness and having a desire and a sense of confidence to succeed at something. Yeah, phenomenal. So uh, I have this special segment right here. So it's called choose or lose. I will give you two choices okay. three times over. You choose one of them, and then you give a reason as to why you did so. Right. Let's so uh, uh, let's jump on the first one. Snowboarding or paragliding? Uh, I would say snowboarding because I've done paragliding. Actually, I've done both yeah. of those. Snowboarding is a—it's—it's it's more fun. You can get—you can have more fun faster. Like you have to go actually and take a bunch of time training for the paragliding thing. Also, kind of aspects. Uh, but man, snowboarding is pretty cool to carve a mountain. Except when it's snowing, you feel like you might go off the mountain. That's not so fun. But if you get a good flow done, a good like open area, man, it's pretty fun. So uh, let's go to the second one: living in the mountains or living in an open grassland. An open grassland? Yeah. Um, man, I'd say the grassland. I feel like. I mean, the mountains are cool, but if it's like grassland in the mountains, would be nice. Yeah. Like up on a hill in the mountains, like uh, I'm, I'm cool because I don't like I can't, can't see anything coming around. Yeah. Just the mountain tucked away. But I, I think the grassland open area feels better for me as I think through it in my head. Yeah, makes sense. So uh, the third thing, uh, it's it's the most common thing I ask everybody. Like right now, it's like books or audiobooks. Audiobooks for me. Books are great. I love books. It's yeah. hard for me to spend time sitting down reading them as much as I like to nowadays. So I'm I'm actually really good. Um, be able to do them like just audio. I can pop it in my headphones and go to work. Okay. So what would be one uh, one book that you would recommend like everybody like, but people my age? Uh, like I'm 16, so people my age. What's the yeah, best? Yeah, yeah. A book that you guys would would but just personal development kind of stuff. Well, just like any recommendation in general, like. It might be about business or life or anything that that you think might.、Uh, there's one good one. I think everybody should start with it. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think that's a really good intro book for people to grasp、yeah. communication and what certain successful people do. Yeah, great. Yeah, so, personally, I just I just it'd be a good one. Seven Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a good one. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll just、uh, close with, with this final question. So given that.、Uh, You've you've been you've been through these tough times, right? And、uh, while you were in the NFL, what was your one best moment that you that that still helps you sometimes when you're in hardship? That still helps you navigate through that. So, what would be that one moment,、mm-hmm. one experience that you'd like to share? That was a moment in time when I wanted to quit playing football my my rookie year in the NFL. And I remember、uh, right before I was about to quit, somebody grabbed me, like one of the, the player personnel guys, pulled me to the side, and, like had a conversation. I unpacked the. Situation. I was at how I felt. I just didn't want to be there, and then like walked through life. And he knew I had a son. I had a son, and I had a dog tag with his name on it and our、uh, picture on it. And I'd lost it in training camp one time in practice. And I don't know when it was. It was a couple days before this moment. And、uh, he just had a discussion. He's like, "Who, who will your son see you as when when you grow up and he grows up and you tell him like you know kind of like what you did?" He's like, "If you quit right now and you walk out of here and you're done playing this game, like you have to tell your son that someday. How will he take that?" I was like, dang, like yeah, it'd be a tough one.、And、he's like, you know, at the same time, like you're you're here, like you, you know, at the end of the day, you're not, you know, some some random guy. Like you made it here out of thousands of people in a beer. Like you're in a great position. He's like, I know it's hard, but like you got to push through. So I was like, all right,、and、buckled it back on. It was one of those, a really tough day. I think it was, it was like a long day for me.、Yeah. And I buckled back up and I went to work and I played another two years. But the funny thing is, the very next day I go to training camp and I just like stick it out. I had a little piece of paper. I was marking off the days. But the very next day, I go to training camp and hanging in my locker. Is the dog tag of my son? Someone dunked. One of the yard guys had、uh, had found it and put it on my locker. So like, it's interesting because the very next day, had I quit, I wouldn't have seen that dog tag. I would have lost it forever. But I stayed、yeah. on 
there it was kind of like a reminder like yeah, yeah man that is really really great uh so finally thank you anthony i really 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 appreciate your time and really really it was an honor to have you on here talking to me so thank, thank you, you for coming my pleasure no problem and very welcome thank you for tuning into this episode guys i really really appreciate your time and i hope you found this episode valuable and if you did then don't forget to comment down below what you thought and what things would i be improving from the future episodes and with that said i'll see you in the next episode